Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number four of the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Levine of New York City property management firm EBMG. And today we're going to be doing a deep dive into the world of elevators in New York City and beyond. And today I have with me as guests, Christine Workman and also Al Centeno from VSA Elevator Consultants. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. There's so much to talk about in uh, all of our elevator buildings. And you you guys, <clears throat> excuse me, you guys oversee a lot more buildings than I do in terms of elevators. But we it, do. It, yeah. But it's a unique time because there's so many rules and regulations and laws that are coming up now. That we and have to they're take changing every day. Every day. And, and that's, I mean, obviously not just elevators, but we are very, um, you know, uh, elevator centric right now we're tracking all of our elevators and i thought if there's anybody to talk to it's a consultant that can kind of walk us through the different process um and that's why i brought you guys in so thank you um let me just give a quick um note to everybody listening at home if you want to send us an email at nyc real estate podcast at gmail.com again that's nyc real estate podcast at gmail.com just to if you have any questions we'll put them on a future episode um, and we'll answer that so um, elevators basically there's a new law that says uh, effective january 1st 2020 there needs to be compliance for a door lock monitoring system right yes yep there is. and that's coming up soon so we're in the middle right to the, the end of 19 right now so january 1st is really the due date which is really December 31st because who's right. going to be doing work on New Year's Eve? Nobody. Well, in an emergency, maybe, but yeah. that's it. You guys, I'm sure, will, well, actually, no, you're not the elevator servicing company, so Correct. you won't be busy on New Year's. You get to just relax. So can you walk me through what the issue is with this door lock, door lock monitoring and why it became such an issue that we had to um, upgrade or, or renovate our elevators with it? Well, there's an added component that the uh, city mandated that you must have. And they started this uh, implementation, this idea to have this uh, monitoring system about four or five years ago uh, due to an accident that happened, uh, a fatality. Like most laws, it's reactive and not proactive. Correct. Yep. Always when something happens, yeah. right? Yeah. So after the fact. Yeah. But unfortunately, yes, someone had to, uh, you know, go through something uh, unfortunate. And this mechanism, this additive device monitors that okay. from not happening, preventing. So what is it exactly doing? What is this device essentially doing? Well, it's actually making sure that uh, the doors don't get jumped out uh, of sequence. Okay. So that's your electronic circuit yeah. and the controller. Correct. So it's it's part of the controller. Uh, I guess before, if you don't have the system, you could bypass mm -hmm. uh, the circuitry. Uh, if you have this system and you try to bypass the circuitry, then it would seize the car. Right. It, it would shut, shut the, the car elevator down. Completely. Okay. So right now it's shutting the elevator car down if something gets tripped. If it notices, right, that an electronic circuit has been circumvented. Okay, so it's a safety mechanism to just shut it down. Uh, elevator's out of use. How right. does it get restarted? Does the elevator company have to come back and restart it to bypass that, to reset it? It does need to be reset. Okay, so that's going to be the elevator company. We don't recommend anybody touching it that doesn't know exactly what they're doing. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's a no-no. That's, that's probably no -no. also against the uh, code. Yeah. Against the law. Against the law. 
So what I've show. seen in managing properties that have elevators is there's a few different ways that we're upgrading to this compliance. There are some elevators that just require a chip. There's some mm -hmm. that need new hardware. And there's some that just, sorry, it's too old. And it's so antiquated that you have to just put in an entire new elevator. You have to modernize and upgrade. Um, why the chip versus the hardware? What are we seeing? Is it just, can? is it an elevator that was, you know, uh, manufactured after a certain year that that's prevalent? You know, is it the 90s? Is it 2000s? What, what's? It's, it is. It's exactly. It's based on the, the year that the controller was manufactured. So okay. the rest of the world, the other 50 states, because I'm going to say the five boroughs in New York, it's yeah. New York State is also included. They actually implemented this back in 2009. Right. So the elevator industry started making the controllers in 2009, like end of 2009, beginning of 2010, with this door lock monitoring, mm -hmm. um, all of those components already in the controller. So okay. if you have a controller in your elevator, in your building, that was from 2011, you've already got all the components. They just need to be activated with that chip, with the software upgrade. So anything 2009 forward, uh, theor theoretically, should have the ability to do the, the chip? Correct. Okay. Right. Are we seeing any that were put in 2009 that don't have the chip? Because I, I get some buildings where we think that the elevator, you know, I have one new building that we took over. We think that the elevator was done after the law was initially established. So probably after that 2009 period, and we're trying to get the answer now on, could we put the chip or do we have to do a hardware? You really, if you're, if it's in question or it's right on the cusp, yeah. you've, you've got to go back to the manufacturer and okay. find out and get the model number or the serial number and make sure and some of them, depending on how, who it was that manufactured it, I mean, we're seeing like the larger elevator companies, yeah. the large international ones are still there and can support it. Some of the smaller ones may not be in, in business anymore. They may not be. So you may have to figure out, well, do we have all of the electronic wiring diagrams? Do we know? Right. And is there a way to diagnose and see it? Okay. So and it's expensive. Let's talk about expenses uh, that we've been seeing. It's the chip is roughly about twenty five hundred dollars. You could correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is what I've seen. The okay. chip is about twenty five hundred dollars for the hardware parts. If you can't do the chip, it's anywhere from twelve thousand to twenty thousand. I've seen. We're seeing higher on some of the older buildings yeah. that because New York City, right? There's that other component of the fire service that has to correct. get tied in. So the labor in component becomes. A little bit more involved so it originally we thought this is going to be a quick easy upload right. the software turn it on and you walk away but no it's not that easy okay and then on for those buildings that can't do either the chip or the hardware we're seeing new elevator surprise it's 150,000 I mean obviously it's going to depend on the height of the building and the type of elevator and do you want to do the cab over and the controls right but we've seen upwards of two hundred thousand dollars for a new cab so have we. you know for yeah. everything so this is something that kind of came out of left field, but didn't really come out of left field? Well, you have to look at your building and look at the expenses and say, do we have $20,000 to spend on this as a Band-Aid? Right. When we think we're going to have to do a full modernization in three years anyway. Right. So should we just look for funding and do yeah. the modernization now? Well, not even that, but yes, you bring up a good point of, is it something that can last three years and that's a longevity um, survey that we could do with, a company like yours that can come right. in and kind of do a survey of that. 
But there's also around the corner, there's a 2027 compliance that's needed as well. And that's for emergency breaks. Correct. So I'm going to be spending up to $20,000 if it's not a new elevator now. And then in 2027, am I, am I going to be subject it's another to another $25,000. So now you're really looking at, you know, 40 to $60,000 worth of equipment that putting you're going to really, throw away yeah, if you modernize. Real, putting really good money into bad. Yeah. So are you seeing people that are upgrading to the 2020 compliance now coupling that with the 2027 or is, are these two completely separate issues that most people are just saying, you know what, let me do the 2020 now. I'll do the 2027 before 2027. From the customers that I've been working with, it's, I'm going to say it's maybe only 10% are doing both right now. So it's, and I'm going to say it's probably about 25, 30% of them are choosing to do a full modernization, which would handle both the 2020 and the 2027. So the 2027, (coughs) just to be clear, is a secondary emergency break, right? Correct. So that is a fail safe if your first emergency break loses itself? Right. It's the, how is it worded? It's the single. Uh, It's called the uh, single single plunger break. Break code. So we can tell right away when we go out and look at an elevator, um, the machine, the main machine. Yeah. And this is only that's this is only for traction cars. So only your geared, geared, gearless, any of the tra- hydraulic elevator. You don't have to worry about it. There's no break. OK. Um, that won't we wouldn't get this this bolt on. Yeah. But we look at it and we can tell right away if it's single plunger or dual plunger and we can tell if it needs it. And this is going to be, you said, it's about a $25,000 mm-hmm. hit. It's just and there, about I the have same. some buildings where there's five elevators. I mean, you're looking at $125,000 and uh, just, a, not, I don't want to say a patch, but it's, it's it, essentially it a patch. Sure. It, yeah. it, it gets you through. You compl- Now you are compliant with the code. Yeah. Wow. So, and that's 2020. Is that also January 1st? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think that's yeah. January 1st, 2027. 1st, 2027. Yeah. Um, all right. So we, I, I have a question on CAT 1 and CAT 5 tests. So a Category 1 test is a yearly test that the elevator has to go through. Uh, that's an unweighted test that they yes. come in, they do their checks. But we have, in this case, a third-party witness, which is somebody like your company, Um they would come in, you would oversee that, and then through the New York City DOB portal, we're up, uploading those test results, signing off, paying the fees and everything. Now, if my CAT1 test is not due until, let's say, mid-year 2020, is that a way that buildings that are subject to this 2020 guideline are able to push through a few months because they're not necessarily being tested or viewed until that point, or are we hard fast on the 1231-19? That is a great question. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to bring that question up to the city. I was with them yesterday, and I always, you know, we have, us as expediters, of course we have to fish for the answers first, right, yeah. from the city, the yeah. governing body of all this, and they don't have any... Uh, stipulations yet or any uh, enforcement uh, methods of what they're going to do. All they know is that they're telling everyone that we gave you five years to do this. But do they have the manpower also is my question to go through every building. And I'm not saying don't do this. Like this is a law. Everybody should uh, abide by it. It's it's the code. Yeah, it is the code. You have to do it. But is it something that they're going to 
wake up on January 1st, 2020 and realize that, oh, we don't have the manpower to actually check. I mean, there's so many like little details about this because it is a new law. And like any other law, we're trying to figure out how it's enforced, how it, you know, how are they right. expecting I mean, Exactly. And that's yeah, my job. I try to find yeah. that out yeah. off the record before it becomes record. Yeah. And it's they really don't have a clue. Yeah. Um, they're just trying to get through the year now. Uh, with what they have to do um, currently, <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're, the city's always, you know, understaffed. Right, uh, manpower. You mentioned, um, you know, I I don't think they have the capabilities to uh, monitor all this throughout the whole city uh, when this comes in effect. Uh, enforcement, they have no clue. It's gonna it's gonna boil down to the bottom of the. Uh, ninth inning or 11th hour or maybe even the 12th hour until they really find out what they want to do. Or is this going to be considered to be a deficiency on your normal cat one or cat five test? That I don't think I don't, I it's definitely not going to be a deficiency um, that you could. Well, I mean, a deficiency is a deficiency. If you don't have it, you yeah. don't have it. You can include it, but that's right. Are they going to shut the elevator down? That's, what yeah. Are they that's gonna not, do? that's not part of right. uh how serious that's, is it? That's on our yeah. side, right? That's contractor versus witnessing. That's what you report. Right. Um, and then you file that report to at, at the administration. Uh, you file, you know, millions of elevator companies with witnesses file reports. And, you know, do you they really look at each report and see these items? Yeah, they um, have to hire a whole new staff to go through every yeah, single I don't one of think, those. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a, that's a thorough process that they're going to want to uh, enforce it that way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's more of uh, every year uh, the city does routine inspections, mm -hmm. and they have a, a better understanding and log and scheduling of that. I think that's how they're going to try to monitor these things. They're right. just going to go out on their normal routine and to, you know, they could detect, they could see if it's on there or not. Well, and they can also tell if the building has taken out a permit to do the Correct. work because you need to file for a permit yeah. and you need to get the inspection done and close the permit. Correct. So Correct. this is a separate inspection. So they could if flag if, if they know one. that there's an elevator building and they don't see any permits for an elevator, that's an easy way for them to That's a, That's a it. monitoring system that yeah. they but could use. There's... 50 or 60,000 elevators in yeah. the five boroughs that have to have this done. So again, I don't Time. know who's who at DOB is sitting down looking at all of that. I I wouldn't want that job. No. That would be a massive database. Yeah, so it is. Run. It is and I think the pretty much what they'll do first and foremost you said weed them out, uh process of elimination, the ones that they have permits, obviously they're not going to go to those buildings and then yeah. they'll just tackle the ones that don't have it's kind of like a needle in a haystack too for them because there is a lot of elevators in New York City. When would you recommend? So we're already at the end of 2020 compliance. So we're already in process. I keep a spreadsheet of all of my elevators mm -hmm. and I've kind of color coded where we're at with each one of those so Correct. I can track when they're done. Good. For 20, <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, how can we track uh, these? Yeah. You know, um, for 2027, what would you recommend in terms of time frame? Is it something that any time before 2027 is fine. Obviously, as we get closer to the 2027 mark, it's going to become a little more expensive because the companies are going to be a little more tied for time, and it's just worth it for them to make a little bit more money. That's, we're seeing pressed. that right now with the 2020. People yeah. saying, I need this done by December, and I, I, we have some elevator companies out there saying, hey, we don't have the manpower. We yeah. can't get to you until March or April of right. 2020. Which is my so question about the CAT1 test. Can we... Yeah. Can we, you know, extend it a little bit 
by virtue of the timing of the testing. So let's talk about Cat ones and Cat. 5. I think we've we've talked a lot about the 2020 and the 27 compliance and why they exist. Right. The cat. So just a normal course of um, oversight is a yearly Cat one and Cat five. Now, how is the so the Cat one and test is yearly Cat five test. I've always remembered it. it's every five years. It's because mm. it's a five. Yep. That's the weighted test. That's two thousand pounds. It's actually 125% of the load of the, load of the car. So, so the it's not a set poundage. It's 125% no, right. of the load. Yep. Okay. And that's every five years. And similar to the Cat 1, that's done with a witness. And they're mm-hmm. typically on the Cat 5 day. The Cat 1 is also done Correct. at the same time. Right. You do both. Combi- you do a combination. Yeah. And it's like a two-hour shutdown um, for the for the pro- for the elevator for each one, roughly. I know uh, it's probably yeah. less on the Cat 1. Bu- that's what we budget. With yeah. Cat 1s, we budget two hours just to make sure they can go through everything depends on how many floors it is because they've got to check they have to check every floor yeah it could be two to four hours so what do you check on the cat one or the cat five what's the normal course of an inspection in a two minute synopsis i mean fixtures lighting fixtures hall buttons even you're checking the pit too right right yeah clean uh, housekeeping car top car top uh yeah it's more all of your operational things to make sure that nothing is has been adjusted so right. that it's out of a safety zone or a safety range. Door yeah. restrictors are a huge one that we look at. Yeah, and it's also more, the more like telephone. repair and maintenance things, items, yeah. you know, something that your maintenance company should be keeping up month to month. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good question that I have, I think, for a little bit later. <laughs> and um, hopefully your maintenance contract is oh, fully, yeah. you know, covers all of those right, items. Yes. So there's no, right. yeah. you know, you don't get surprised. Hey, you just had your Cat 1. Here's a proposal to fix everything. And some, it's, yeah, sometimes know. when I even between the Cat 1 or the Cat 5 and I have an elevator company like yourself come in or in a consultant company like yourself come in and do a review, I get a list of, oh, all these things that are not They will done. be a deficiency on your and Cat 1. Huge. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, am I out of line to think that the elevator what? company that we have a contract with should be servicing the elevator and cleaning the elevator? Be. And, you know, we have all these issues. So what am I paying them for every month? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was a yearly machine break testing law came into mm-hmm. effect, right? Yes. So break maintenance tags are a big, that's another thing we look at is documentation. Right. Making sure that all the code, you know, what is it, it's a break maintenance tag and the code data plates that all of those are on there and those are physical plates that if you went into the machine room you would see those attached yep. to the to the brakes. we go in and it the last one was done was actually documented that it was done in 2013 we're like well we That's know it's been done and it's but supposed to be a year needs, right every year yeah you suppose and you suppose a maintenance control program pretty mm-hmm. much uh keep a maintenance log book uh when a mechanic or uh you know comes in and does his routine maintenance logs what he's done yeah uh, if anything was done, make sure, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, just it's documenting and it's for you as the property manager, huge to make sure you can prove that this work was being right. done because God forbid something happened. Right. Yeah. Well, paperwork. Okay. Some code requirements that are interesting. So I've upgraded a few elevators. I had an elevator in the East village, um, that was upgraded and we had to put a sump pump in the pit. Which we didn't expect, and it's yeah. these little things that come up, you know. A lot of these older buildings, they don't have maybe uh, proper elevator machine rooms, so you have to alter once you put in a new elevator. You have to alter the room. You have to alter the type of door, the size of the door, the self-closing door, the air conditioner, <laughs> and the 
machine room, mm-hmm. the sump pump in the, in the, pit. Uh, in the pit. Like these are all, we thought that what we were going to be facing was let's, let's just say it was a hundred thousand. It turns into 140,000 because the plumbing and the, right. Uh, because yeah. once you, ventilation, yeah, once you ventilation. upgrade that can, once you touch your controller, once you, you do your controller work and swap it out, you have to bring the whole, the whole process, the whole system up to the current code. And for some of these buildings, it's almost impossible to do because you're, you're essentially building new structures on top of your uh, roof now. Right. Correct. Or yeah. Com- what is, what is the current code that New York's working under? Right now they're working on uh, 2000 and two, uh, 2003. Okay. Yeah. Between 2000 and 2003. I say 2003, I skipped, you know, three years yeah. because they, uh, the K Oh, right. Appendix K. Appendix yeah. K came out in 2003. So that was, those are like addendums. Yeah, so it's, addendums. it's all those. And a lot of elevator companies will throw mm-hmm. that into work by others. Right. This little catch-all phrase of anything that's not the elevator equipment is considered work by others. And that's on the building. Yeah. So right. you, you almost need like another whole nother RFP for all that other stuff. I'm tired of elevators. <laughs> <laughs> How it do you do this? I mean, it's a lot of building <laughs> codes as well that's tied into and then you the know, fire, 2014 you know, building the, you know, code. The fire yeah. department code. So it's all these, because right. they, yeah. they all work together as a whole process, a whole you know, system. How often should the elevator company be inspecting our elevators? Top to bottom, on top of cab, under pit. Is that a, a monthly thing that should be uh, addressed when they come on for their normal visit? They should definitely be doing Well, that's like Al said, if they've got a maintenance control program, it yeah. should go through every component of their elevator so that it, you know, they touch on every single part of it Right. At, at a bare minimum once a year. A lot of them will say, here's what we do monthly. Here's what we do quarterly. Here's what we do semi-annually. And here's what we do annually. So okay. it's on them to keep track of all of that. Yeah. And we should have that marked out. And we like to have the elevator companies check in with the supers when they come mm-hmm. so that we know when they're actually there. Because I have run into several big name elevator companies that suddenly it's three months and they didn't show up for their monthly maintenance. Well, you have to check their contract. It may say periodic maintenance or routine maintenance. It may not say monthly maintenance. It's all in the verbiage. And then when you say, but I'm paying you monthly. Well, yes, you're paying an annual contract in monthly installments. Yeah. So So it's, it's a lot of just how are they, uh, how are they wording it? So the last topic I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about was when we're looking to upgrade the benefit of having a consultant versus just having your managing agent say to four companies, give me a proposal on a new elevator. And there's a lot of reasons why. And one of them that's beyond us not being, we're, we're experts in managing properties, but we're not an expert in the elevator and the components. So I would always recommend that one of my boards, when they're looking to do the upgrade, that they actually do use a consultant that will come in, uh, review the equipment that you have, propose the right equipment that you need, bid it out, create a specification for bid, bid it out, review the bids, come back and make sure that the most important thing that any company is not using proprietary equipment <laughs> because I don't want to be married to a specific company for the life of my, my job. The life of the controller. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. correct. So yep. you you found that companies are willing and able now, especially to work on generic uh, equipment, mm-hmm. and uh, only if it's what OEM, like the original equipment manufacturer, right. is very important. We we kind of hit upon that offline before, um, but the the worst thing that can happen to me is being stuck. You know. Well, it's you know you you hope that 
even if somebody does put proprietary equipment in your building, that they are proud enough of their name and their company that they are going to maintain it properly and be upfront and honest and not get, not lazy, but not get complacent in the, hey, we have a 20-year contract with you, we can slack off. Yeah. So someone like us, we come in and do, you know, we come in and do periodic checkups for a lot of companies. We do quarterly maintenance audits and we make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But- I mean, if you do a mod, I mean, that's, there's a lot of benefits, especially with Al's side, with using us to do all of the expediting on permits. And Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just want to make sure the overall, <laughs> the main goal is safe, el safe elevators, right? Yeah. yeah. And this is what basically we do. We make sure that your elevator company is doing the right thing to make sure your elevator is running safe for your residents mm -hmm. or if it's a commercial building, the write-in. And public. looking at those bids when you get them back, you get them four bids back from four different companies. Do you know if they're all the exact same scope, the same? No, that's why we uh, need you for the bid right. specs. You know, yeah. we look apples at it. Apples to apples. And I've, we've come in after the bids have been received from some mm. people and they're like, all right, I've got these four bids. I don't even know what they say. And we try to do a leveling and yeah. kind of, is it all apples to apples and what's going on? And we can't even tell, like one of them will be a two page proposal and another one's a 30 page. I'm like, right. all right. And they essentially say that they're going to do the same thing, but they don't say how they're going to do it. They right. don't say when they're going to do it and they don't say what they're going to use. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're getting a new elevator. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a lot of wordplay <laughs> on these contracts. Uh, you know, if you don't know the language, if you don't know the technical end of it, you know, uh, anyone could put a contract together and just tell you they're going to sell you uh, a bill of goods, but you don't know, you know, you're yeah. spending all this money and you're not, monitoring you're not uh showing up and looking to see exactly what they're doing you know and i want to make sure that the equipment that they state in your bid specifications is actually is the equipment put being in. put in right and exactly that, and that is something that me as a manager cannot do during the Correct. installation and that's why i always point a board to say hire a consultant to project manage so because right. it's more than worth it you don't want to be right. stuck you and don't we keep stuck them on schedule and we handle a lot of the payment approvals so right. that you're paying them we you know, know you're doing your monthly approval right we look at it and go uh you you're invoicing for 100 percent done on this and we know you're only 20 percent. Yeah. so no so we, we try and we watch out for you guys not only that i mean we have qualified elevator inspectors that used to be mechanics at one point in time yeah uh it's not all administration it's not all paperwork that we're monitoring it's not all contracts we go on site we we have our own inspectors uh qualified and licensed mm -hmm. inspectors that go on site and make sure that your equipment is what it is, what yeah. you're selling, what you're... Uh, and it's installed properly. Yeah, that what you're it's, paying well, for. Important. What yeah. you're paying for. We want it to work. Yeah, and forever. to make sure their craftsmanship is good, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah we don't want them to cut corners. We don't want them to hand you change orders. We yeah. don't, you know, we're looking out to make sure you got what you bought, what you bought. Well, that's good. Well, I thank you guys for coming in. So again, Allison Tenno and uh, Christine Workman from... VSA, Vertical Systems Analysis. So your website is vsaconsulting.com? Yes. Okay, so you could check VSA out of vsaconsulting.com. Again, I'm Mark Levine. You can email us here at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com or you can give me a call at 212-335-2723, extension 201. You can talk to me directly. Have any questions, glad to put it up. Also on Facebook and on Instagram, we are at NYC Real Estate Podcast, so you can find us all over the place. But thank you guys for coming in. Thank, thank you, you for having thank us. You. And I look forward thank to so uh, chatting with you more over some more elevator work. Yes. Any questions, give us a call. You got it. Thanks. Thank Thanks. you.